0: Carrie, your uterus is measuring up to a thousand times its normal one. Mm-hmm. You have a frequent urge to pee, constipation, mm-hmm. and a continuation mm-hmm. of a all bit. aches, aches and pains, and maybe even a new one. We shouldn't have mm-hmm. done knocked up at this point. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Um, if this movie does anything, it's like I'm fine without babies.
1: <laughs> really fine without babies with not having them with Seth Rogen. Welcome to Hold Up, the podcast where we watch our favorite rom-coms and decide whether they hold up. I'm Carrie Gilbert.
0: I'm Allison Gilbert.
1: And this week we watched Knocked Up, which came out in 2007 and stars Catherine Heigl and Seth Rogen and a whole host of other characters that we will get into. Um, Allison, this is one of your faves.
0: Yeah, this is my favorite of Judd Apatow's.
1: I... Predicted that I would still like it. When you wait, wait. wait. When you say this is your favorite of Judd Apatow's, do you mean the movies he has written, or like? Yes, the I movies? mean between
0: this Forty Year Old Virgin and This Is Forty. Okay. Although I think I have more of a soft stop for This Is Forty than it maybe deserves. <laughs> but that's sure. a conversation for a different time. Um. So of those three, and oh, I forgot about Funny People because doesn't everyone? Um. So of the of the movies he has written and directed, this is my favorite of the ones he produced of the one like his then it's probably up there but i think forgetting sarah marshall would win out overall but yes of um, like 40 year old virgin that ilk it's my favorite i did not think it would hold up from a feminist perspective
1: What were your predictions? So I have never seen this movie all the way through. I've seen bits and pieces here and there, but honestly, I know very little about this movie, so I didn't have predictions really at all as to whether it would hold up for me as a good movie because I didn't have a previous opinion. Um, Although I do really like 40-Year-Old Virgin, so I... It had that going for it. Um, I did think there would be some problematic humor and themes.
0: I will say I don't think – I think there was some problematic humor and themes. I think this held up better than I thought it would, and I think it holds up better than 40-Year-Old Virgin. That is the argument I will be making today.
1: you think it holds up better – Like, feministly, Yes. Than 40-Year-Old Virgin. That is maybe true. I think 40-Year-Old Virgin is a funnier movie. We're going to disagree on both. Okay, great. I think 40-Year-Old Virgin is a very...
0: I don't... Like, the funny one, I think you can argue... Obviously, like, funny is subjective, and I think you can argue both. And I also like the movie 40-Year-Old Virgin and think it's very funny. I... I think there's a level of. I think we can't have this conversation without having a conversation about the comments Catherine Heigel made in the promoting of this movie because I watched it looking for that. Catherine Heigel in promoting this movie. Catherine Heigel in promoting this movie said um, she thought it was a movie that made women look like unfunny shrews and men look like they just had fun all the time. Uh,
1: yeah, I completely disagree with that premise. I do
0: too. I think actually what this movie I so I sort of was like I bet she was right. Like we gave her a lot of shit, but I bet she was right. And then I watched it and I was like she was wrong. She's yeah. just fully wrong because for a list of reasons we will get into, but a of all to deny the work Leslie Mann does in this movie as not funny is a deep insult because there are some moments that are just art. I wrote she give like when she's peeing on a pee stick she does a little pee shudder, and it's hysteric and it's clearly a Leslie Mann choice. There is a part where she says, pissy little high school cunt, and hiccups on the word cunt, and it is, it's just, like, that line would have been a okay funny line as it was, and the way she adds a crying hiccup to it makes it the funny line, like, makes mm-hmm. it what it is. And so in any way to deny that Leslie Mann, and even Katherine Heigl to, to some extent, are not... And also Charlene E, like there are funny women in this movie. And to deny that they're doing that work is insulting to them. Furthermore, I think this movie actually presents a very interesting conversation on emotional labor and what Mm -hmm. we expect of men and what we expect of women in child rearing. And I don't think the argument is women are nags and men have fun. I think the argument is there is no point where Paul Rudd's character is presented as a fun-loving guy whose wife won't get off his back. He's an asshole. And it's said multiple times, Mm -hmm. including by him and by Seth Rogen. He's an asshole. And yes, that then makes Leslie Mann look like a nag. But she's alone, essentially, for a lot Mm -hmm. of the movie. And I I don't think this movie is presenting the men's choice as right and fun and cool and the women's as annoying in the way that Katherine Heigl stated that it was.
1: Yeah. The other scene that stood out to me along those lines, I, I think you're right that I think that this movie was having a very real conversation about in heterosexual marriages, the roles that men and women play and particularly like the emotional labor the the key scene that sticks out to me is when she's looking up like where the sex offenders are in their neighborhood and paul rudd is saying like okay well but what do you want me to do about it and she's like well if i didn't do this like then we wouldn't know blah 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 and it's all heightened because it's comedy but there is that that is a very real thing and that is a conversation that is being had around traditional heterosexual marriage right now. The other thing that I think plays out is there's a lot of, there's a scene, there's a couple of scenes between Katherine Heigl and Seth Rogen where um they are talking about pregnancy and she's talking about, you know, she's on him for something, like, fairly minor. And to be fair, there are some not-so-minor things that he has to answer for. But, like, she gets upset, and she, like, kicks him out of the car. I and I I don't even remember what they're fighting about. But They start fighting about Leslie Mann and Paul Rudd's character. So Leslie Mann right. is
0: Catherine Heigl's sister, who she lives with. And Paul Rudd is her husband, and they have children. And they're the mirror image of, this is what a marriage looks like, and what are we... They're sort of who Katherine Heigl and Seth Rogen have to look to. And she's yelling that Paul Rudd is being an asshole. And Seth Rogen's character is sort of like, I think what happened was fine. Like, he's sort of defending him. Mm-hmm. In a way that I don't think the movie is defending him, I think. Right. I think point of view is very important in this movie.
1: Um, so oh. sorry, keep going. So they're fighting in the car and she kicks him out. They're fighting in the car and she kicks him out. And then, like, they're later and they're in the doctor's office and they're, like, continuing to fight and there's this whole thing about how like her hormones are amplified she's uncomfortable like all you know all of that she is at that point very pregnant um and so watching it as somebody who is very pregnant and watching it we
0: did this as a joke we scheduled this for when you would be very pregnant and i think maybe it was wrong cuz i we both got anxious <laughs> it was too
1: real and i was also watching it with My husband, whilst being very pregnant, and both of us were like, "This is so real," because, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I have a unlike Seth Rogan, I have a very, like, supportive adult partner. You're Um, you
0: uh, were in a relationship before you got and chose to become pregnant. It wasn't a one night stand, right? Where you then got with a stoner
1: bro. An unemployed stoner, bro. Right. (laughs)
0: Um, He has $900. That'll last him two years. I never... Because I think the last time I watched this movie, I was in college and had no concept of what money was. And I was like, two years! (laughs) $900 will last me a week and a half!
1: (laughs) We live in LA! There There were a number of times where I was like, who is this character? Okay, so... But like, I'm not in a relationship with that person. And there are still a number of times, particularly at this point in my pregnancy, where... I get cranky at him for, like, stupid-ass shit, random-ass shit. He and I got into a huge fight. This is, like, way TMI for our podcast, but he and I got in a huge fight the other night. And part of it is just that, like, my hormones are out of control. I'm overwhelmed. I'm anxious. He's anxious. You know, this huge life thing is happening. So, and I don't know what exactly Catherine Heigl was speaking to in those quotes that she gave when she was promoting this movie. But there's an extent to which, like, women, like, all of your emotions are just amplified mm-hmm. when you're pregnant, and particularly when you're this close to giving birth, as she is in at that point in the movie. And so it's yeah, not that it's like... she's theoretically
0: a month away.
1: Yeah, it's not that, like, she's being painted as an unfunny shrew. If anything, I think the portrayal is incredibly realistic of, like, just how difficult relationships can be particularly when you're going through a major life change like having a baby and particularly for two people who didn't know know each other
0: other. they do a nice thing of making him I never realized or maybe I did and because I was you know this movie came out the year I graduated high school and it was big for me in college so I don't know that I he's 23 in this movie and I don't think I ever acknowledged how young that is and I Mm -hmm. think it it excuses some of the behavior. Like when I was 23, I knew these guys and they were my friends. I wrote down at one point, I did improv in this house. Like the amount of like 23 year old guys living with three other guys getting high all the time with like computer and gaming systems out in their living room at 23 is very familiar. And I think it's helpful to this story that he is so young because and she's they never really state, but I I think I I did the math based on this is forty. Leslie Mann and Paul Rudd are thirty five, at this point. So I think you theoretically she's in her late twenties or early thirties. So they're also just at different places in life, and mm-hmm. I think that's helpful in excusing some of his choices. Is that he is also a a very young adult being thrown into a very grown up situation, mm-hmm. and yes, that it, he makes a lot of poor choices that I don't know that the movie excuses but it's also like yeah of course he doesn't know what he's doing he's a kid mm-hmm. um and and he's handling this situation as sort of a 23 year old stoner would handle it um the other scene that sticks out to me when we talk about emotional labor is is the scene after Leslie Mann is convinced that Paul Rudd is cheating on her because he keeps having to like go see a band. And so she and Katherine Heigl and Seth Rogen follow him to a house and find him playing fantasy baseball with a bunch of guys. And they're fighting outside. And she says that's so much worse like, you don't want to spend time with, you'd rather be with your friends than spend time with your family. It's so hurtful. And he says, like, it's not that I just needed time to myself. And she says, I need time to myself, too. Mm -hmm. And that was the scene where I was like, this movie is, this movie knows, this movie is not painting women as nags and men as bros. It knows what it's doing. Women, Leslie Mann's character doesn't get the option to go off a couple nights a week and hang with her friends because the, the onus and the emotional labor is on her. Mm-hmm. And I just had never watched it from a more adult perspective. And I I think that I think it was much more intentional than than Catherine Heigl was giving it credit for.
1: I think the other thing that struck me in watching this movie is this is a movie written by a man that has been married for a very long time and clearly very much loves his woman his woman loves his, his woman <laughs> loves his wife <laughs> and respects his wife because they continue to work together and they obviously have a very good working relationship and they've been married for a million years and the other men involved in this although many of them they were too I mean not Paul Rudd but the others were too young at the time but They all go on – they're all men who, with the exception of Jason Segel, which we'll get into, are all men who are in long-term committed relationships with women. Yeah. And so – and granted, like, that's not necessarily something that you know unless you're, like, a pop culture nerd like us. But (laughs) I do think that that perspective is helpful. Like, I don't think Judd Apatow – and, and Judd Apatow is not without his faults, but he is not, he does not hate women. And I no. don't think he is writing this from the perspective of feeling like his wife or any wife is a nag. I think that, I think Paul Rudd is very much a stand in for Judd Apatow, Paul Rudd's character. And I think that he is really acknowledging like that men get excuse for behavior that women don't get excuse for
0: well yes you're i think a lot of this movie was made i think you're right the paul red character is a stand-in for jet apatow and i do think they got pregnant before they got married and this is sort of that story i don't it was not as far as i've read about it a one night stand it was more of like the paul red leslie man they were in a relationship and then uh got pregnant with the older of the two children <laughs> Also, Who is now
1: two children are full grown adults. I
0: was I said that to my roommate and she was like no they're still kids and I was like no one of them is a fully adult and the other one is like a senior in high school like they're 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 grown
1: they're done. Yeah. I said that to Jeff uh, and he was that, like I need you to not say things like that. Yeah like that.
0: I've been thinking I, like
1: as you're getting ready to give birth
0: I'm like I'm very excited but I can't wait for but I feel like it's going to be a long time before they're like one and have their little personalities and we can like walk around holding their hands and then i was like no it's all gonna happen too quickly and then i suddenly had of like they're gonna be in college so i like i just i bought them these sweatshirts that they're not gonna be able to wear for a year or two and i was like it's gonna be so long till they can wear this and i'll be like soon they'll have grown out of them <laughs> like, it's really it just freaked me out children grow um yeah no the uh older child the one who talks about Uh, as a full monologue about how babies are made and the stork drops it into the mother and then you cut the mother open and and she poops out a baby or something that girl's in euphoria (laughs) seriously oh just that like i think a lot of this has to do with their own relationship and sort of like navigating a, a very scary situation when you may like maybe we're prematurely ready for it and i think you're right like like, they seem to have, I mean, we don't, we don't know what any relationship is behind closed doors, but they continue to work together and have stayed married. So I think we can assume they at least have a respect for each other. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't, like, I did not, I was ready to, as an adult, go back and watch this and be like, oh, Catherine Heigl was right. And we got mad at her. Um, we got mad at her in a sexist way. And in, Like, I expected it to have, like, a a 500 Days of Summer thing where I was like, oh, like, maybe the woman was correct. And I was like, no, this movie is is doing something, I think, very interesting and talking about a relationship in a very real and sometimes unfunny and sometimes funny way. Like, this movie doesn't make marriage or relationships – it's not painted with a romantic comedy brush. You're not Mm -mm. sure by the end of it that any four of those people whose relationships we're supposed to be rooting for – are that are supposed to end up together. And Katherine Heigl even says towards the end that that Leslie Mann and Paul Rudd are happy today, but what that doesn't mean they're going to be happy tomorrow. And it's and that's I think a more honest conversation about marriage and relationships than most romantic comedies. And again, maybe that takes away a little bit of the joy of a romantic comedy, but it is real.
1: Well, and I also feel like there was in that same scene where she it's near the end, and and he's saying Seth Rogen has come to sort of like win her back, and she basically blows him off and says, "No, because I don't want a marriage like Allison and or I don't want a marriage like Leslie Mann and Paul Rudd, and she says like they don't they don't make any sense together. You know they like each other today, but what about tomorrow? And I feel like that the Catherine Heigl character, Allison, doesn't name ever, um, doesn't really ever acknowledge, maybe until the end, that relationships take work. It's not like rainbows and butterflies and teacups all the time. And particularly when you're in a marriage and, and raising children and you've, you know, have maybe done things in a different order non-traditional way and so you're getting to know each other while you're going through this huge life change like there's gonna be some hiccups and i feel like her character is sort of looking for that rom-com relationship and be disappointed it's not that's not what it is
0: yeah but then he does get to have some hero moments like but they're also more sort of real he doesn't run through the rain he doesn't he sort of does he comes dressed in his little cute button down and paul red Makes some pretty problematic jokes about what he looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, they were... <sighs> a cholo on Easter was one of them. And yeah. uh, Babe mm-hmm. Ruth's gay brother, gay Ruth. So not great. But mm-hmm. anyway, he's come dressed to win her back and it doesn't work. And then what does win her back is him screaming at the doctor that he's going to be nice to her and kicking Leslie Mann out of the room. Like he becomes a... a father in those last moments as she's giving birth and it's i'm gonna protect my partner and my child in these moments doctor who's being an asshole you're gonna be nice to her and you're gonna explain to her the situation in
1: a calm way and leslie man get the fuck out of my room (laughs) and it's well and i mean we do see even before then like we see him start to grow up and he gets his own place we see this montage of like him getting his own place. he gets a job He you know stops hanging out and getting with his friends and getting high every night and like makes some adult decisions but i feel like and and i like right around then is when i like I, I started to like the movie better but the i think part of the problem is that that message like that growth that we see in Seth Rogen gets lost in this two and a half hour movie
0: yeah this movie falls to what I think all of Jed Apatow's movies fall to is
1: it's just needs cuts. Yeah. This movie did not need to be as long. I mean, literally at one point I cause part of what I have seen is the Vegas part. And I, at the point that it came, I was like, Oh my God, we haven't even gotten there yet. And we were like two hours in. It comes real late, but the scene of them,
0: and maybe, like, the the scene of them in the hotel room in Vegas is maybe my favorite scene in this movie. And yes, it does come too late, long. and I think there's too much sort of Vegas. But first of all, it's insanely good comedy. De- high on shrooms describing what the chairs are, and Paul Rudd curled up in that chair having a panic attack while high on shrooms is so well
1: acted, I died. Paul Rudd is one of the greatest we have. I... Part of my, I think, part of my issue with this movie, or part of what like wasn't as funny for me in this movie as Forty Year Old Virgin, is there was not enough Paul Rudd. Sure, it's really, a very different Paul Rudd than Forty Year Old. It is, Virgin. but it's really not until that Vegas scene, which comes two hours in, that we get some like genuine Paul Rudd comedy. And I yeah. yes, I agree that is one of the best scenes in this movie, and there's not enough of it. And it comes too late. And it just this movie needed to have been tightened up in order for all of the kind of messages that we're talking about that are in there. But they get hidden by lots of extraneous crap.
0: Yeah, it's like and we talked about this um, with You've Got Mail about how it's nice that they have these that they each of them have more than one friend and they have like a world they're building off of. I don't know. That Seth Rogen needed four friends, right. and part of the reason he has four friends is because Judd Apatow loves those men and wants each of wants to like give each of them something to be funny. I don't know what we're getting from Jonah Hill. I'm not sure. Like the each of them has. I'm not sure, and this pains me to say. I'm not sure what we're getting from Martin Starr or
1: and Jay Martin Baruchel. Star,
0: like, well, I, I almost said Jay Baruchel, them. except Jay Baruchel is the friend who's. I think you can do it with two of them. You have the friend who's like, this is going to be great. We're going to bring a baby in this world. We're all going to be parents. And then you have the friend. So maybe it is the Jonah Hill. And then you have the uh, get a smush friend. Like you have the two opposite sides of it. But.
1: But then there's three other guys.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I love Martin Starr in this movie. And once he made me a delicious cheeseburger. So maybe I'm in love with him. But. But his role is entirely just to be funny and to have jokes about his beard growing. Like, the, he and maybe even Jason Siegel are not forwarding the story or talking about the main theme in a way that I guess Jay Baruchel and Jonah Hill's character are. But in that case, you only need two of them. Right.
1: Um, and I think that this was still at a point where... I don't know when Freaks and Geeks went off the air, but I think this is still at a point when... None of them had worked. Well, so... <laughs> Like, not a lot of them had work. Judd Apatow still felt very responsible for their careers. At this point,
0: both Freaks and Geeks and Undeclared, which... um, Jay Baruchel came from Undeclared. Jonah Hill wasn't in any of them. He came from Four-Year-Virgin and... Superbad. Yes, was Superbad... Superbad came after this movie.
1: No Um, way, really?
0: Yeah, like, right after it. Superbad came out my freshman year of college
1: interesting um, it's funny that he's playing so a, i think you're right and it, then a, they came out the same a year a teenager
0: oh interesting um so yes i think you're right i think that like wh- when did how about your mother start 2005. Mm-hmm. so, this so is two jason siegel in. was like but also like jason siegel was a you know a cbs sitcom star or I guess maybe not even Star. But, like, so he was doing fine, but I think you're right. I think that they sort of, he sort of felt responsibility to give them jobs, and so he gave them all jobs. And that's maybe an, a detriment to this. As sort of nice as that is, and one of the things that I think makes Jed Apatow seem, hopefully, like a lovely person, it's it's a detriment to the movie. We don't need all four of them.
1: No. And I I... I think that that, so Judd Apatow, I think Judd Apatow is somebody who is very good at spotting comedic talent and cultivating that comedic talent and allowing, he's somebody who pulls people up. Um, That being said, he does it sometimes to the detriment of his own work.
0: Yeah, it's like Charlene Yee shows up in this movie as Martin Starr's girlfriend, um, which is lovely. It's lovely that we're like Charlene Yee is one of those people that needs to be brought up and has been and is a very good comedian. And I'm grateful she was getting work. But it's also at first I was like, "A, what's the point? And then I was like, this is also a good counterpoint to Katherine Heigl. And then that here is a woman who is not painted as an unfunny shrew. Here is a theoretically young 20 something woman who's also a lazy stoner. And that exists in the same world as as the Leslie man, because not all women are the same in the way that Catherine Heigl wanted this movie to be painting all women as the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the more I watched this movie, the more I was like, she was just wrong. and She was just, mm-hmm. we can get into a deeper conversation of the way in which Catherine Heigl was talking about people writing for her at this time, not just Judd Apatow, but she also said some detrimental things to about Shonda Rhimes and the Grey's Anatomy writers room and the problematic this they're in. But maybe that's a conversation for a different time. It just I wanted to side. I watched this wanting to side with her and I left it thinking you have no respect for writers.
1: Yeah, that was always my struggle with the Grey's Anatomy comments, too. Obviously, if you have been listening to this podcast, it's clear at this point that I'm a Grey's Anatomy stan.
0: <laughs> Carrie's a Grey's Anatomy stan. I'm a Judd Apatow stan. This is
1: the <laughs> merging of our. And I have a lot of, like, institutional knowledge as far as Grey's Anatomy goes. Now, I will say that, you know, other people have come out, including Ellen Pompeo, and said that those early years were toxic. I don't think she was talking about the writer's room as much as she was talking about some of the other male actors. Um, Isaiah Washington is now a Trumper, and he likes
0: the F word.
1: Yes, I think. Well, and I, I think if you read between the lines, that maybe things were not always sunny in paradise for Ellen Pompeo and Patrick Dempsey. Dempsey. Um. But I, I, I think that, you know, as somebody who was watching Grey's Anatomy at the time, that Catherine Heigl was criticizing the storyline she was getting. She was still very much a key player. She was getting storylines that centered on her. They were a little outlandish at times, but. But
0: it's a nighttime soap. Like, okay, I was also watching. I don't watch Grey's Anatomy anymore. I was watching it at this time. And it's around this time when I was like, "Too too crazy for me, dog. But it's a nighttime soap. So part of that is like. Yeah, sometimes you're going to have storylines written where you're having sex with your dead ex-fiance. It, it, do this or don't, but understand the type of show you're making and don't then publicly insult the writers who are working significantly more hours than you are for less pay and less notoriety. And obviously I have a bias in this area as I work as one of those things and not an actor but even if you're having an internal disagreement with Shonda Rhimes or the writers room as a whole to publicly state that when you are the person with the fame and power is unbelievably disrespectful
1: yeah even if she was right well and it's one thing like to call out Toxicity or a dangerous workplace or those kinds of things, but that was not what she was doing. Right. It it felt very much like punching down, and it felt like she was biting the hand that fed her. You know, and I think that well, we've had similar made- conversations about you know the comments that Constant Wu made is that you know there's a lot of people trying very hard to do the kind of work that Katherine Heigl was doing at the time or that Constant Wu is currently doing. And don't have the same opportunities, and so to then bite the hand that feeds you feels mm, like you have a a deep lack of perspective.
0: Yeah it 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 was a little like in talking about it it reminds me you're right of uh Constance Wu but also of like Scarlett Johansson in this sort of like I. Scarlett Johansson says something about how she would be an actor even if she wasn't even if she made no money and it's like you these these actors just for whatever reason have no have lost perspective of what it actually takes and it like particularly now uh, constant like Constance Wu's comments are per- loaded particularly now as right like writers are being Actually, no, this fits with Katherine Heigl, too. This was around 2007 when the writers were literally on strike for not being paid. The writers are on strike again for not being paid. Writers are consistently paid. The profits in Hollywood and particularly in television have continued to grow exponentially. And the only people in Hollywood that, whose salary is going down are the writers. And so for these actors to get out there and say that we're not doing enough, fuck off. Like, it, fine, leave. We'll find another actor. It's just so privileged and lacking of perspective
1: mm-hmm.
0: and 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 insulting.
1: Yeah. Well, and the idea that, like, I'd do this if I didn't get paid. Okay, well, but most people need to pay bills. Um,
0: um, that was a long rant away from the two and a half hour movie we just watched. But, <laughs> I mean... I, I, think I did write that I do think this script is tighter than 40-year-old Virgin. I don't think you're wrong. I think there is room for editing. But at least we're into the movie in the first 10 minutes. We're, she's getting pregnant in the first 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, but then, like, I mean, I felt like we really, like, watched her entire pregnancy. We did not, we didn't skip any of it. I mean, she was, she was pregnant, like, as long as I've been pregnant. I feel like I've been pregnant for 15 months now. Like You've
0: been pregnant. You have a Jessica Simpson pregnancy. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It was like, we really just dragging out there. We didn't we didn't take any shortcuts in terms of.
0: No, but here was something that as it was happening, I thought, oh, God, this is going to get so bad. And then did not. She tells him to put on a condom. He obviously does not. That could walk so closely to the line of rape. And oh,
1: it it crosses it. it- Except that then it gets walked back by their later conversation.
0: Well, but the, it happens that you hear her say, just do it already. And I think you can buy him misunderstanding it. She is not saying put on a condom and he's saying, OK, I did and taking it off. Like there, He's not having a malicious intent to have sex with her without a condom when she's explicitly stated she wants it. I think that it is. You hear him in the you hear her in the moment say just do it already and you hear him say really? Okay. And you can sort of be like, all right, it was a bad misunderstanding. But yes. we're not throwing anything on his character. We're not making him be like, "Oh, I get to do it without a condom."
1: Yeah, I was um really worried about that when that scene first happened and then later when they had that conversation and you realize that it was a really bad miscommunication, yeah. like I was like, okay, I can I can come back into this movie because I was at the time I was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to be in this movie at all. If I believe this whole relationship was built on essentially a rape.
0: Right. And I do. And maybe it's because I've seen it. So I knew they had that conversation. But I could see in the moment her saying just do it already and him misunderstanding. Yeah. Um, And you're right. Like then they do explicitly state it later, which I think is necessary to explicitly state. He understood one thing. She meant another. Right. Um, But yeah, it.
1: I was. And the way that Rogan plays it, which I assume was also a directing choice, was not that he is like now making excuses. Like he genuinely believed that she meant something different.
0: Yeah. And he says to her, you, I, and even at the end when he's talking, I went with the most literal translation of just do it already. Right. So. I mean, it sucks and it's a bad miscommunication, but I do think that it's a scene that could so easily go into rape that doesn't, Mm -hmm. and that's a hard and complex line
1: to walk. There's also... At one point, she says, "Um, I want to rip your fucking head off, which is something I definitely have said to Jeff. And she
0: says it in, like, a... She's, like, calm and relaxed, and she's mm -hmm. just mad. And it's so, like... (laughs) Um, it is implied that she has suggested that maybe they don't get their kids vaccinated, which doesn't hold up.
1: <laughs> I know Jeff pauses. Like, Jeff was like, Is this the first time we saw like some, some anti vaxxer shit in pop culture? And I was like, hey, It was um. like,
0: but it's exactly who the anti vaxxers are. It's like wealthy blonde women in Brentwood being like, mm, They're gonna get autism. I'm like, no, they're fine. Uh, the tall ones, uh, we were talking about that chair scene. The tall ones gawking at me, the short ones being very <laughs> droll is among the greatest lines of all time. Mm-hmm. I also like that scene. Like, that scene is hysterical. Paul Rudd's performance is great. Seth Rogen's performance is great. I also really, it's the it's the first and maybe it's the first scene where they're holding each other accountable. Whereas mm-hmm. Seth Rogen says to Paul Rudd, "You're a fucking asshole," and he does it later at the party. He says she doesn't want to be with me because she's because you're because you're such a shitty dad. She's worried I'm going to be a shitty dad. But it's nice to start to see these men hold each other accountable mm-hmm. and recognize the ways in which they're failing. Paul Rudd even says the biggest problem in our marriage is that she wants me around more. Um, it's also stated in. This is forty, where she like doesn't want him eating cupcakes all the time, and she he's like, it's insane that the our problem is that she wants me to live longer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, there's also a really nice scene in This Is Forty where she t- tells him how she would kill him, and it's that she would slowly poison his cupcake so that he would die slowly, so she could nurse him, but then he'd be dead. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very Munchausens. But I was like, that's also how I would kill someone. <laughs> Um, we talked a little bit about the supporting cast and that there are too many of them, but I do think even though there are too many of them, they're all very good. Um, yes, J- Jay Baruchel is very great in this movie. Seth, uh, they're all playing sort of like versions. The four of those guys are playing versions of themselves. They even so have I wrote their Jason Siegel. Yeah, I wrote Jason Siegel plays a good creep, and then I was like, oh, it's probably not i, I oh, said the same thing acting. i said like, <laughs> um, like jason siegel's just playing his creepy self well and like usually jason siegel plays like endearing nice guy and it's like oh no maybe this is it this um is, yeah uh harold Ramis it has two scenes and i love them both so much and mm-hmm. he was among the greatest we had and i love him he and it's also just a really nice like He's basically saying, I didn't know how to be a parent. I still don't know how to be a parent, but I love you more. He plays Seth Rogen's dad, but I, you're the greatest thing that ever happened to me, and I love you. And it's just such a nice, like, honest dad scene of, like, I made it up as I went along. Right. But I sure did love you, and that's all that mattered. I don't know. He's just – he's so funny and so genuine and so mm-hmm. – um, I loved Harold Ramis. He also says – a drug philosophy that I think is a great one to live by. No pills, no powders. If it grows in the ground, it's probably okay. Yeah. Sure. I'll teach your children that. Okay. Maybe when they're a little bit older.
1: Bill Hader's another one that just shows up for like Bill Hader and Kristen Wiig in this movie. Yeah. What'd you say?
0: And Kristen Wiig.
1: Yeah. Both of them show up for not very long at all, and they're both hilarious.
0: Oh, Adam Scott shows up at the end as the nurse. It's just all these people that went on to be megastars. Um, playing very small parts. The Kristen wi- the, what's interesting about Kristen Wig showing up is she and Alan Tudyk are playing, Catherine Heigl's bosses at E, and they have two conversations where after they've decided to put her on air, and then after she, um, admits to them that she's pregnant when she's fully eight months, and I love that she's been lying to them the whole time, <laughs> right? But the convers the first conversation is, a coded way of them telling her she has to lose weight. Uh-huh. And it is maybe the only movie we've watched so far where women's weight is talked about in a way that's criticizing uh, diet culture and what we expect from women rather than selling in, or like feeding into it. Mm-hmm. Catherine Hegel's character says, you want me to lose weight? And they say, legally, we can't ask you to do that. We just want you to tighten. And then K- Kristen Wick has a great line, which is, we can't ask you to lose weight, but just go home. And step on a scale and subtract 20 from that and then be that. And it's <laughs> and like, then they also, the other line I liked is, we don't want you to lose weight. We just want you to eat less. We just want you to, oh, it was. we don't want you to be, no, it's we don't want you to lose weight. We just want you to be healthy by eating less. By eating less, right. It's so, it's, they're saying awful things, but they're also saying things that is said to women all the time in it a lot of industries but certainly when they're on camera
1: and it's crazy oh, how in insane and ridiculous ways. yeah yeah all women
0: and we don't want you to lose weight we just want you to be healthy is i wrote it down it's like it, the it's the equating it's a movie in 2007 is equating and pointing out the ridiculousness that weight loss and health have nothing to do with each other and it I was very surprised that a movie was saying that at all. And also at this point and also a movie made by a man, it, it movies don't still don't do that. We still don't talk enough about how weight loss and being healthy are not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I was pleasantly surprised.
1: I did feel like that scene was some nice satire. It gets undone a little bit by the Leslie Mann jokes later yeah. about Seth Rogan.
0: I liked um, Leslie Mann's character, who said, "Oprah says if you criticize, you have to criticize. You have to break someone down to build them up to be the sort of person you want them to be. Criticize them a lot, and they'll change." Oprah would never say that. <laughs> no, Leslie Mann's character has clearly misinterpreted some of Oprah's, some of our Queen Oprah's teachings.
1: I do think that their business idea, uh, Seth Rogen and his buddies' website that they're building. Do- doesn't super hold up in a um, post me too world.
0: Look, it's not a website I would frequent, but it's also not identify it's not it's just identifying places in movies where you see naked people theoretically m- movies they consented to be naked in. you know, they're not like, here's some revenge porn to look at. It's adult <laughs> people being naked. Now, should there also be a section where we get where in movies men are naked and it would be like two lines long because men are never full frontal in movies? Yes. But I like there's nothing. Again, it's sort of like icky and
1: it paints their characters well, but I don't know that it's. And maybe that's it. I think I struggled a lot and I granted like they're all supposed to be, you know, in their early 20s. I really struggled to care about that group of friends at all. I found them pretty unappealing, um, which I think is kind of part of the point. Yes. But I, I just was sort of like more annoyed by them than anything else. And I think part of that is that I never saw this movie in my early 20s. So now I'm approaching it a decade later from... My current perspective. And so, like, one thing that kind of struck me is that I just recently watched Long Shot, which is also Seth Rogen in a romantic lead. And I love a movie where he gets a woman so wildly out of his league. <laughs> <laughs> wildly. But I was very, and, he, and there's still like some, you know, broy immaturity to him in that movie but he is it, quite a grown clearly, up with a job a grown up with a job a grown up i mean he has matured 10 years in this time span and at least and i found him much more appealing and i was far more charmed by him in long shot than i am in this movie and i think that just has a lot to do with my age and my perspective
0: yeah i think that's the age thing cuz i can buy in long shot he plays a journalist who's angry that uh, corporations are sort of dictating what journalists can write about. I loved the movie Longshot. We should do it at some point. Um, but I believe, I could believe that this 23-year-old grew up to be that 33-year-old. Mm-hmm. That's, That's believable to me. And I also think... Again, the age has such, you're right, like I am not interested in hanging out with these boys and being in a house where all of their gaming equipment is out in one room and it smells constantly like weed. But also when I was in my early 20s, I did hang out with those boys. And I did like, that was just a familiar thing to me. And it's certainly not something I want to be doing in my 30s. But because he's so young, I could look at it as like, all right, this is a believable 23-year-old. Now, had that character been in his late 20s or 30s, I would have been like, this is crap. Get it, like, grow up. But I think that's the point, is that he is very young and he does then realize he has to grow up. And yeah, mm-hmm. you don't want to hang out with that group of friends and they are annoying and they are immature and gross and, and you know, having dirty man competitions and, and t- bare ass farting on each other's pillows. Um, but I'm not sure that they're supposed to be, like, a- appealing. I'm not sure that that version of those guys are supposed to be ones you want to date. Mm-hmm. But in the same regard, Paul Rudd is a grown-up who has a job and is responsible, and I'm not sure he's supposed to be someone you want to date either. Yeah. It's all about how these men fall short and need to grow and i think this movie did a nice job of giving credence to both perspectives both there were times when katherine heigel was out of control and hormonal and and you know a little bit crazy but also she crazy. was but also like exactly like she was right and had reason to be and there were times when like he was too like nagged at and also ways in which he fell real short and times when he said really borderline cruel things to her it allowed for both of them to be messed up and flawed and also then still endearing in a lot of ways like seth Mm -hmm. rogan is endearing in a lot of ways in this movie and And it's such a hard line to walk. You have because you're right. Like, I don't want to see Jason Segel's character in this movie fall in love. I don't want to see, you know, Jonah Hill's character in this movie fall in love. But there is something so endearing to me about Seth Rogen that I think it it worked. And Mm. I bought that they would end up because the other thing I was like is she's she's Catherine Heigl. She's absolutely gorgeous. And he's a young Seth Rogen so he's a little bit schlubby and they play they sort of play him down and but that scene in the bar when they meet when he's like steals beers for them and then is like he's so endearing that I was like yeah I buy that she would sleep with him I buy it Mm
1: -hmm. yeah I do think like the the, I think the thing that I struggle with is the sort of like infantilizing of particularly white men Mm mm-hmm because we don't infantilize black and brown men in the same way that we infantilize white men. Um,
0: yeah, I, it would I, be
1: different to do this movie with uh, not a group of white people. Yeah, I think that it's, for me, it's it's tired. It's kind of run its course. Now, granted, this movie is 12 years old. Right. Um, but I, I would hope that the conversation would feel different or like start from a different place in 2019 than it did in 2007. Um, and one of the things I like about Seth Rogen and the
0: reason I think he maybe even more so than Judd Apatow can, cont- is that I think he recognizes that. And mm-hmm. like long shot is not a movie about a childish man growing up. It's about, to people in very different places and like stations in their life, but there's never a point in Longshot where you wonder if he is good enough for her. They, they, you know, he's an adult. He's responsible. He's.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's it's I just think that Seth Rogen is sort of growing with that conversation, and much in the way when we did Forty Year Old Virgin, we talked about how he gave an interview where he said we used to lean too much on gay jokes, which this movie also does. Gabe Ruth at one point we casually throw around the f word. Um, I I get the impression from him that he is aware of that and grows out of the sort of infantilizing of uh, mm-hmm. grown men, and so I think. I don't think he would make this movie today.
1: No, I don't think. I agree. Um, I think I'm just saying that, like, at for myself, watching in 2019, sure, those are some of the things that don't work for me.
0: Yeah, and you're right. Like, it, I, I, as we say, like, well, at least he's 23. He's essentially a child. 23 year old black and brown men are not allowed. 15 year old black and brown men are not allowed to be children, right. and that's. Yeah, that's a conversation worth having. And I'm not sure this movie. I'm not sure Hollywood would make this movie in the same way with
1: non-white men. The other thing that I feel like in a 2019 version of this movie that I'd want to see that is not there in the 2007 version is I would want. A more. Prominent that's maybe not I would want more than lip service paid to the fact that they are making a decision between whether or not to keep this pregnancy like it is intimated but it's never expressly said between Katherine Heigl and Seth Rogen there's never a a a true express conversation about that we get a joke from Jonah Hill about it but it's really just a joke and i feel like in 2019 hopefully we're at the point where it would be realistic that these two people who had a one night stand who don't really know each other would have to have a serious conversation about abortion or not what their options were yeah yeah
0: i i'll have to find it i remember reading an interview because it's 2007 so juno also came out this year and i remember reading reading interviews with both Judd Apatow and Diablo Cody where that was brought up. And I can't remember which one, but it was sort of like, I do think Juno, I mean, in Juno, she literally goes to the abortion clinic. She's about to get an abortion and then something talks her out of it. And you're right in this. It's more of a joke. These movies don't exist if either of those women get abortions. Right. Um, And so I think Judd Apatow's point was like, yeah, in reality, this woman, if, she wouldn't just actually get an abortion. She would definitely strongly consider it. But unfortunately, for the premise of the movie to take place, she has to have the baby. Now, you're right. Like, is there a more interesting, nuanced conversation than um, the joke of it rhymes with shmushmortion? Yes. Um, And a movie like Juno sort of did that, but at the same time, like what convinces her to have a baby is some anti-choice person outside the clinic yelling about how babies have fingernails. It's, it, and both, I think both Diablo Cody and Judd Apatow got, were like celebrated by the anti-choice movement. And they both had to say like, we're both very pro-choice. It's just, we
1: had, we were making these movies. I mean, in this movie, I feel like, the outcome can be the same that she chooses to have this baby. Women choose to have babies with men that they don't know all the time. You know, like there, there's nothing wrong with that decision. Like she could get no, to the that's same why decision. It's I just pro choice,
0: not pro abortion. Right.
1: I just would like a little. I would have liked to have seen that from her character a little more. I feel yeah. like we really didn't get any of that. And again, I think that. Not a movie I've seen, but in a, um, I think obvious child has maybe like pushed that conversation in a rom-com world. It's on our list. going to do it, like it's a different, it's a different approach. But I feel like,
0: yeah, the and we'll talk about this when we ultimately do talk about obvious child. It there's no point in obvious child where she's making a decision she finds out she's pregnant and knows what to do. And then the movie plays out while she waits to be able to get, in. like mm-hmm. the premise of obvious child is not, will this woman get an abortion or not? The premise is, you know, she's going to, here's what happens to her in the week before she does. Mm-hmm. Um, And it's, and I love that movie and it, and I think it is very interestingly talks about abortion, particularly abortion is not some sort of like painful, decision which it isn't always um and i'm glad that movies like obvious child exist in addition to movies like this where because of the premise they can't have abortions but i agree with you like Catherine it, it, Heigel's character no at one point she says i've decided to keep it but you never see her actually have that sort of struggle right. or you know you never
1: see her make that decision nor do we have any sense of why she's made that decision i mean
0: yeah well also because And again, this is coming at it from my perspective, but I'm watching it. You just got an on-camera job. This is a man you've never met before. Like, I feel like if we watched her weigh the pros and cons, it'd be like, obviously get an abortion. (laughs) Like,
1: and again, or 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 not, like maybe like that character, if we'd had, a, I think, I think it would have been helpful to see her weigh that, to have a little more like character development of like, okay, why does this woman, given all those factors, choose to keep this pregnancy other than the fact that it she needs to in order for this movie to be a movie. Right. You know, I think yeah, that's a little bit rings, of a lie. It rings a little false. Yeah. To that, like, we're just jumping to she's keeping this baby because we don't know any, you know, we don't know her religious beliefs. We don't know her values. We don't know, you know, like, we don't know any but of her that. Her mother straight up tells her to get an abortion. Right. She has that you right. with like, her mother. So, I, I mean, I I one hundred percent buy that there that this woman in this situation may make that decision, but I needed more in terms of how did we get here.
0: Sure, I agree. Maybe we cut out some of the extraneous extra characters and have that conversation.
1: Feels like a right. give and take. Right, um, like for, in a movie where there's literally no editing happening. Like that would have been nice to have been added.
0: Um, two questions specifically for you the montage of her throwing up was that triggering did it bring no, back no, some first g- trimester
1: <laughs> glad to be past it and
0: um. Um, I do I think our audience wants to know and I want to know if you've had your bloody show <laughs>
1: um, no I don't even know what that means I assume what he means is that where you you know what that means falls either out um, but it's such that- a cute way to
0: reveal that he read the baby books
1: Yes, have you had your bloody is. show?
0: I also love the line, "Has your water broken?" And she goes, "I don't know. I'm in the tub."
1: <laughs> right. Which I think at which point he know. asks, "Well,
0: then, have you had your bloody show?" Uh, yeah, it wouldn't. I don't. I don't want to know what it would start to do. Um, Adam Scott is the nurse. I really loved. Not given enough to
1: do, but I guess this what? movie, in a lot of ways, <laughs> at like the two-hour mark, I was like is this movie just nine months? And it kind of is. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with both I mean, of them existing. Yeah.
0: I loved a, loved a uh, Steve Carell cameo. Yeah. Um, and that Bill Hader's
1: character says she turns Steve Carell, the nicest man in the world, into a good <laughs> <into an> asshole. <laughs> yeah. That was a good one. I also, I mean, that scene's also like, you know, everybody being like, oh, you look like you're going to pop tomorrow. I mean, that is... The, the number of things that people say to you when you're pregnant where you're just like maybe, maybe don't say that.
0: I uh, we don't talk with just movie soundtracks um, mm-hmm. only this is a good one. Loudon Wainwright, who plays the doctor they ultimately end up going to who then has a bar mitzvah in San Francisco um, did the music for this movie. He is Rufus and Martha Wainwright's father. Um, and he did, made a whole knocked up soundtrack. Only a couple of the songs are, like, featured in this movie, um, but also the score is his score, mm-hmm. and that album is just really good. The music in this is really good. I fully burst into tears when Daughter started playing at the end. Yeah, it is a good, this is, the music is great in this. Um, and Wayne Wainwright is also very, a very funny actor. Mm-hmm. Um so in terms of rom-com movie soundtracks this one does great um yeah I think this held up better than I thought it would and I still really love it and we will continue to go back to it in a way that I don't go back to 40 year old virgin or this is 40 or funny people
1: yeah I can't say the same but um I'm happy for you thank you and you know I do think it it has its moments, but overall, I just, it's just too long a movie. I just was bored a lot. It's too long. That's true. It's too long.
0: Um, he has an editing
1: problem. His hour-long stand-up special was two hours long. <laughs> I mean, It's what, called an honestly, hour-long honestly, Apatow. What? Honestly. I mean, at one point, like, I thought we had gotten to, like, the climax of this movie, and we were headed into the third act, and we had an hour and 15 minutes left. Like I, it's unbelievable.
0: This movie was as long as your pregnancy.
1: It's, it's, it's seriously.
0: Um, yeah, yeah. You it's didn't like, watch when the baby was coming out of a vagina. The reason Anne Hathaway didn't do this movie because she didn't want even the implication of her vagina on screen because that was obviously not Katherine Heigl's vagina.
1: I um I watched the scene the delivery scene but I um. Distracted myself with my phone or something because I was like, I can't fully immerse myself in this right now. It's you
0: you would just stop, it's too
1: real. So, yeah. So, up next, we are
0: doing keeping the faith. Um, I'm so excited for that one. I am too one of our childhood faves. Um, mm-hmm. Carrie,
1: what are your predictions for keeping the faith? Um, I think I'm still really going to enjoy it. I don't remember anything like explicitly problematic about it, but you could always be surprised. It's a fairly old movie, so there could be some humor that is that does not hold up. But I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Yeah. We
0: might mitigate a woman's work a little bit. But yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Um, keeping uh, up. Keeping the faith next week we're doing keeping up with the kardashians it will not hold up <laughs> last week's episode of keeping up with the kardashians it doesn't hold up but no we're doing keeping the faith not yeah. keeping up with the kardashians yes. although there is a two uh, episode long storyline of keeping up with the kardashians where kim won't go out of the house because she was pictured with cellulite so it's probably something we could dive into at some point okay um but thank you for listening. Please tell your friends and rate and review and subscribe. Um, you can find us on the internet. At, you can find us on Instagram at hold underscore up underscore pod. And on Twitter at rocket underscore women and on Facebook at rocket women. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Bye.